0: Here we go. All right. Are you all ready? Three, two, and one. What's up, Gator Country? Man, Andrew Spivey back. And we got a different podcast coming. We're going video this time. We got Bailey. We got Ethan. What's up, guys? Are you all ready?
1: Hey, Andrew. I'm ready. Hey. I'm ready. <laughs> Ethan, right off,
2: right off the bat, we're talking over each other.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and Ethan, I mean, come on, man. Like your first weekend on the job and Sully loses two games.
2: Yeah, I know. It's just. It must be me. It First you. time, at, yeah. Or it could be the stadium too. But I guess since it's easier to blame people than it is building, so I guess I'll take the blame for that one.
0: McKeithen's down. So what are we gonna do? I mean, I don't know. I, I was telling Ethan before we jumped on the on the air, uh, a, a a a team that went from looking like it was gonna be indestructible. I mean, it was sixteen and zero last year. On paper, they're better than they were last year. I mean, that's just what it is. But it's baseball, and yeah, I mean. Saturday, that was terrible. Um, you know, I know some people are blaming Sully for it. I, I don't know that I blame Sully for it. I mean, it's early in the year. You got a young guy coming in, and, you know, you want him to go. Sunday, it's kind of how it goes. When a team comes back and wins a game on uh, the day before from a big comeback, they have the momentum. So, I don't know. What do you think, Ethan? What, what's what got to change? Is it just pitching, hitting? Judd Fabian's got to hit, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, they, they got to get Judd Fabian going – uh, the bottom of the lineup today wasn't very productive. It seemed like they were just relying on Jacob Young, and then the middle of the order had some good at-bats. And the pitching, like, like you said, was just absolutely horrible. I mean, there's just no way around it. You can't let 13 free base runners in a game, and they give up, I think, well, like six runs in the first three innings of the next game. You just you can't ask your offense to have to score nine runs a game to even have a chance. That's just – you might win some midweek games and some games against lesser competition, but you're not going to beat Miami or anybody worth a darn playing like that.
0: You're not beating Vandy. And, and the thing no. is, is, that's unsully like, you know, usually Sully gets pissed off one walk. He's out the door. You know, that's just usually Sully. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was listening to the game on Saturday, uh, the the late, the eighth and the ninth uh, I was traveling and listened to that on the radio. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, sure enough. Sully's about to pull him. He's going to pull him here any second kept going, kept going, and I'm like, what in the world? Steve Russell's about to have a heart attack on on the air. He's just screaming. <laughs> it, it, it just is, and, you know, we talked about that before, and, and Bailey, softball's the opposite. Softball can pitch, but they can't hit the broad side of a barn right now.
1: Yeah, and until, I mean, today, they, they finally came <laughs> through in that last game and got some hitting going, but it's been a a disaster. I mean, except for, with the exception of Charlotte Echols, she's been – Inhuman, basically. Until today, she started started looking a little more like a human, but yeah, I mean, they've got to get. In the
0: Adam Eccles show.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, where's Lindemann been? She hit a home run on Saturday, but she just hasn't come through yet. I mean, maybe it's just some early season kind of got to get going. I'm gonna, but, yes. I'm gonna call
0: BS. I'm gonna call BS it's, because it's a it's a occurring theme lately. <laughs> The last, you know, two years ago, it was the Amanda Lorenz. That was it. If Lorenz didn't hit, it was nobody. It, something has got to change from a, you know, philosophy standpoint of whatever it is. And you know, you continue to see Tim Walton and his girls. It's all about taking pitches. It's all about getting hit. That doesn't work anymore.
1: No, no, I, I don't, I don't like that at all. If you, if you get a strike, that first pitch is always going to be your best pitch to, to hit. Once you start getting deep in those counts, the pitchers can start throwing all their junk. You know, they're going to hit you with those rise balls or the uh, drop balls that you just can't do anything with. And that's what Florida's doing. They're letting them get them too deep into the count. And then, you know, it's a pitcher's game from there.
0: While we're talking to Diamond Sports, we'll move on here for a second. We'll come back and uh, talk about it here in the end. But football's starting. I mean, you know, it was out of nowhere. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I thought it was going to be first of March, middle of March, and Dan Mullen throws it on us like he always does, and got spring football. And, you know, you guys are listening to this on Monday, so practice threes later today, and it's there. I mean, it's there. Most of the country's dealing with snow. Florida's dealing with spring practice already. Early on, you know, we talked to Dan Mullen, obviously. What has been your, y'all's perspective? perspective, excuse me, can't even speak today, uh, of Dan Mullen. You know, some people's asked, you know, is he ready to go or does he seem like he's just trying to get spring over with before COVID? I think it's a little bit of both. I think he ab- absolutely knows COVID's out there, but I think he's absolutely trying to get as much time in post-spring of with these new coaches to learn film. Uh, I'll start with you, Ethan. Give me your first thoughts. What's kind of been your impression of Dan Mullen and, and what's your take on
2: it? I don't I mean, Mullen explained it to us that they he wanted to spark spring earlier so that they could get spring practices earlier and the players could watch themselves on tape, and that helps them more and better than watching other people. To me, that just didn't really make a whole lot of sense because either way, you're only watching the same amount of film, you're still only practicing the same amount of days, you're just adding more off time in the summer instead of in the winter. So I just, I think there's definitely some, I guess it's COVID based a little bit because last year they didn't get it at all, so they just want to, and the teams that did get the go through some spring practices seem to have an advantage in the season. So I think that's definitely a, the competitive advantage of that would be something that definitely, I think, motivated
1: him. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, they've got this new COVID variant that's out there too. We don't know what's going to happen with that. I think it honestly is a good idea to just go ahead and get it out of the way in case. First someone...
0: of all, let's not be starting that. We want March Madness. We I want know, baseball. I'm not
1: putting it. I'm not putting it. So stop the...
0: speaking that into the, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: I'll, I'll just stop. Ben. Go ahead.
0: No, you're I, good. Go ahead. I'm just letting I, you know. Let the there. listeners know we're not speaking negativity. We're playing <laughs> fo- We're playing baseball. We're playing April 1st. We're going to get, you know, yes, we're, we're playing ball.
1: Oh, it's going to happen for sure. For right. sure. I'm just saying if you're Dan Mullen or the Florida football program, you have to kind of think ahead there and be like, this is a possibility. So, you know, that's just my thoughts on it. But I do think that he has a little bit of a point there of – guys are going to want to watch themselves a lot more than they're going to want to watch, you know, some other guy playing their position. It's just not the same seeing someone else make mistakes as it is seeing you do it. So it gives them a little bit more time. I don't know how much of an advantage that's going to be when the season comes around, but it is a little bit more time that they can watch themselves.
2: Yeah. I mean, I also, I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I'll say I, I also don't really understand the, I don't understand how it's going to finish this sentence. <laughs> okay,
0: uh, I will say this. I, I think I do think, from my background, you know, in coaching, the the more you can obviously you're only going to watch you're only going to watch a certain amount of them. There's 15 films. but I think the more that you can get on the board and really just get into this is what you've got to do. It is better. I'm going to throw out something too, and that is. And it hadn't even been brought up, and I'm just spitballing. I may be getting crucified here on Twitter in a couple of weeks, or a couple of days, or a couple of hours, whatever it may be. But is there a possibility he's getting spring out to see what he needs in the transfer portal?
1: Hey, that's, that's actually not a terrible like thought. There, I hadn't thought about it, but it it definitely could be. I mean,
0: because you know the portal is going to be hot as soon as spring practice is over you know, there's already Yeah, that Paul Tyson at Alabama may be out and, you know, everything else. So who knows what, you know, it'll be once, you know, the situation becomes of, okay, let's just say Dan Mullen figures out his right tackle is not the best in the world. We all know that. Let's okay. just think he maybe finds that out. John Hebbsey finally realizes that. I mean, again, we all know that. And he goes out and hunts for it. Or, 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 you know, the linebackers. We, we think Derek Wingo is going to be ready. We think Tyron Hopper is going to be ready. Yeah, I, I just think that there is a little bit to that. I also do agree with him in that getting those guys on the field. And, and I say this, I don't even know that it's 100% just for the players. I don't know that it's not for the guys like Jules and, and McGriff. The, the, the quicker they can get on the field together, maybe the quicker they can start learning each other off the field Learning what they need to do off the field to get better on the field. So I don't know that it's completely there. And I don't know that it's not completely there with Garrett McGee, with the rest of those guys on the offensive staff. I don't know that it's 100% just players and not just some of the coaching wise as well.
1: Yeah, I, I can see that for sure. And, you know, I'm not sure that not that a month is going to make a difference, but the last secondary coaches i'm not sure that they were exactly a culture fit for florida and maybe this is a way of getting them in there early and you know meshing with the team a little bit more that you know those guys might not have been able to do so we'll see i'm i'm not Red sure Hall,
0: ron point. english not a great fit at safety <laughs> no yep
1: you wasn't a fit in any capacity but you know <laughs> yep. we, we don't have to trash anybody here
2: yeah, I was, I was about to make the, the same point about the secondary coaches. I know Mullen, it, it kind of seemed like he forced the comment in his press conference where he talked about they're going to create, I guess, cohesion and communication in the secondary. He wasn't even specifically asked about that. I thought it was interesting. That was one of the biggest talking points he had on Tuesday.
0: So he doesn't want to but see Marco Wilson and Brad Stewart looking at each other asking who's going to guard who. Yeah, too I'll, many people
2: shrugging after play the last couple of years.
1: Every single
0: time. We've been able to see, I don't know, 10 minutes of worthless or meaningless practice and 30 minutes of worthless practice uh, on Instagram. And Hey, props to Florida. I appreciate it. It's something, it's something. Um, I will say this, the, the, the Saturday, I believe it was Saturday. Yes, it was Saturday. Watching crime dog and Jules go through just simple getting off the block, making tackles in the safety and secondary. You know, we say, that was meaningless. But how many times did we watch these guys not be able to get off a block? And when we were getting off a block, not be able to make a tackle. So, you know, I, I say it almost has to go back to basics because it, it did. It almost had to go back to basics. And you absolutely see those two guys with more energy. And I've mm-hmm. said it before I- find me a, a, a defensive back who's not cocky. Not too many. Yeah.
1: I mean, I literally saw Jules tackle somebody during practice so I was like hey you know that's that's cool (laughs) we didn't see that very much from from the last guys
0: grandpa Ron English would have had to have knee replacement
1: yeah for sure no but um yeah I mean it hasn't been ideal what we're getting right now but honestly my thought is we didn't get that much more when we were allowed to go to practice because you know, we only got a certain number of periods that we could be out there, and most of it was stretching. So,
2: you didn't learn how anything about their is. flexibility?
1: <laughs> I learned I work- a lot about their flexibility, actually.
2: What's that but even? So, I was going to say, we learned that Desmond Watson is, a, even, is as big as a truck, and he seems pretty flexible for that size. Man, oh man. Dude, it,
1: uh, he's got to shed some some pounds there.
0: Yeah. I think we, though, we see why Dan Mullen loves Desmond Watson Desmond Mm -hmm. Watson's four bills and still able to move when he's three bills he's really going to be able to move Gervin Dexter looks like a freak show out there not that he didn't last year but he really looks like a freak show right now Derek Wingo looks built um you know obviously Dan Mullen's not going to show us crap when it comes to quarterback you can forget it and hang it up he's not going to show you anything when it comes to that um But again, from seeing what we can see, and you know, it's only been two practices, there's no sense of you know really making an assumption one way or the other. But it definitely seems like the energy is better in the secondary. And again, find me a defensive back that's not arrogant, that's not cocky, and I'll show you one or two that have been successful. Most defensive backs are arrogant, cocky, and have some energy about them. Florida has zero. Kyer Elam is one of the most quieted guys out there, he needs some energy. If McGriff and Jules are going to bring that, hey, so be it. And to say and to, you know, move on to another point. It definitely from talking to Dan Molly our you know, on on the the Tuesday last Tuesday, it one hundred percent seems like it's the McGriff running the secondary and Jules is just going to be assisting that. And people have you know harped on it. I don't think it's a bad thing. Let Jules learn from it and let McGriff, who's done it before, really go at it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I honestly don't even think it's that big of a deal. How many teams out there only have one secondary coach? It's not something new. Florida, you know, brought the two whenever Dan Mullen got here, but for a while we only had one at Florida. Um, right. So it's not it's not a big deal. I mean, let Jules focus on his recruiting stuff too. So, um, and, you know, you did see them not necessarily coaching the positions that Dan said they were going to be coaching in right. those few clips. So, yeah.
2: You know. Right, and they I mean they used to only have nine on-field assistant coaches that's up until a couple of years ago. So, I mean, for years, this is how teams won championships with secondaries only one coach, and basically, your tenth assistant coach is in an ideal world. That's just an extra recruiter anyway. Right. And it seems like that's finally what they're getting around to round finally using it as. Well,
1: yeah. I, it, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're good. Go ahead. I honestly think that sometimes having two coaches can mess with that chemistry a little bit because, you know, you've got two different philosophies trying to teach. Two basically different voices. The same thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad thing.
2: Yeah. I, think in, I think in an ideal world, your 10th assistant coach is you have a head coach, an offensive coordinator, a quarterback coach, all be three different people. But obviously that isn't going to be the case here. Right.
0: Well, and, and again, you know, to, to go back to the offensive side of the ball and you know, people are freaking out about Hevesy and Billy Gonzalez being co-offense coordinator. The hell with what the title is. But just forget the title. The, the, the title is Dan Mullen's offense. Now, it's just like defensive coordinator at Alabama. You're not going to tell me there's a defense coordinator out there who runs the defense at Alabama. Nick Saban runs that defense. I don't care who comes in as the offensive coordinator at Florida. Dan Mullen's running this offense. Dan Mullen's the one checking off every play before it goes in that was with brian johnson that's with garrett mcgee that's with you know tim tebow if he's the next quarterback coach down the line and no i'm not starting rumors even though he recorded uh retired from the nets but still so you know stop freaking out a little bit it's a pay it's a pay raise it's a title and it's uh again you know is it a little buddy system sure it's a little buddy system that's why they got the title but you couldn't elevate mcgee from analysts To offensive coordinator, you just couldn't. You would have, you would have, you just couldn't. You'd have made too many bad friends there. So, again, I don't see an issue with it. I know some people have had issues with it. I don't, I don't see an issue. Again, it's Dan Mullen's offense.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know, I personally, I love Brian Johnson, but everybody made such a big deal of we're losing him. The offense is just going to go to crap now. And you know, it's always been Dan Mullen's offense. He is the mastermind. And no matter who's in that chair, it's, it's going to be Dan Mullen. It's it's going to be okay. He's still going to be calling, you know, even if Brian Johnson had a little bit to do with, you know, or a lot to do with the offense being great in 2020, it's still going to keep going. Everybody has
0: wrinkles that they're going to add to it. Brian Johnson had his wrinkles. You're starting to see Garrett McGee have his wrinkles in the recruiting of more pro style quarterbacks. You're you're always going to see wrinkles. It doesn't matter, you know, if it's McGee. You know, when Tim Brewster came, I'm sure Tim Brewster brought some ideas from his time at A and M, from his time at Texas, from his time at North Carolina. Everybody brings ideas to the table, and it, and if you're not adapting to to ideas, you're not doing yourself a, ser, a good service. You're doing yourself an injustice. You're you're not doing your team right if you're not taking ideas from everybody. So, again, like you said, Brian Johnson's a huge loss. It's a huge loss in recruiting. It's a huge loss as a quarterback coach. Is Garrett McGee a terrible hire or a terrible quarterback coach? I don't think so. He's one, of the, one around one of the best offensive minds of our lifetime in Bobby Petrino.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, he has the the background definitely to to be in this role. So, you know, even though he hasn't been in this role in a while, he came in as, as you said, an analyst and he was on the defensive side of the ball even. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it's an awful hire. It probably could have been better, but it's not the worst thing in the world.
2: I also think the the timing probably played a factor as well because Brian Johnson left him kind of late in the process, I think like late January. Where are you going to find a better quarterbacks coach on that short of a notice than promoting from within?
0: Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I mean, and that's a good point. I mean, you're, you're at a situation where, you know, you're, you're not going to really take away a guy from another school because if he was going to leave, he was probably going to leave anyway. So, yeah, I, I do agree. And, and the thing, too, is this, and that is this analyst position was put in to be a, quote, unquote, minor league of your coaching staff. Whether or not they always promote within, it's, it's there in place for that reason. Uh, I mean, you've seen Saban do it at Alabama several times. You've seen other schools do that. It's there in place for a reason. You're not hiring some jackrabbit to come in and be an analyst on your staff because what good's he going to do? You're still paying him. So you're going to hire good quality coaches to come in and do that. So, again, I don't see a big deal about it. I'm okay with it. Um, Obviously, we haven't seen a ton from the quarterbacks in the, you know, little bit of Instagram live we're going to get. Probably won't get to see that until, you know, the scrimmage comes on SEC Network. If that's what it may be on uh, March 20th, we'll see. Um, if not, you know, we'll wait till fall camp and hope and pray we get that opened up. And, you know, so we'll see how they continue to develop. Obviously, Emory Jones, you know, he's the guy right now. Uh, you guys got to speak to him on Wednesday. No, Friday, right? Uh, give me your thoughts on him, uh, Ethan. Is, it, is he confident to be QB1
2: at Florida? It was actually Thursday we got to speak to him. So he yeah. went right around the date there. But... Yeah, see? no he's I mean he's he's kind of hard to get a read on he just doesn't speak as much but then again neither did Trask when we first got to talk to him either he gradually got better at it but he definitely I think is embracing the competition he mentioned every time somebody would try to ask him a question about what it was like to be the guy now he would always kind of deflect that and talk about how Richardson and him are pushing each other to get better which I mean that's what I expect a quarterback to say in that situation but it's I think he's in the right place mentally. Whether that translates on the field or not, obviously, is a different story, but we'll find out soon enough, hopefully.
0: Yeah. Bailey, what was kind of your read on that? Uh, you know, I, again, like Ethan said, I, I don't think you can read too much into him. He's a quiet kid. He's always been a quiet kid. Um, yeah. Deep down inside, there's a competitive fire with him that I, that I know from speaking to some of his uh, quarterback coach and people around him. There's a fire under him. He's ready to go. You know, <laughs> Hopefully that means he's, you know, got the confidence in his passing game to be ready.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I wasn't in on the little Zoom with Emery this week. Um, I had something else going on. But just from being around him before, yeah, he is a little bit of a quiet guy whenever, at least when the media is around. He doesn't say a whole lot. But I also think it takes a little bit of time once you're in that role. Once he's starting and everything, you get more confident. You know, he hasn't been the big guy on campus yet. So, it's it's just he's got to fill in those shoes, and he's got big ones to fill. So, it, it might just take a little bit of time. But I think he's definitely a guy that can that can become, you know, a more confident.
0: Who's going to – is Garrett McGee going to keep up the Brian Johnson uh, watch on uh, Emory eating? Did you guys see that during the year? Did you guys not see that during the year?
1: I, I saw something about it, but I didn't, like – I didn't really so – Oh,
0: on game nights so – or the night before the game when they'd have a team dinner, Brian Johnson would always sneak in a film of Emory Jones taking a bite of his food. And it would take like five or six bites. Finally towards the end of the year, Emory would catch on
2: that he was filming. So yeah. Maybe maybe they'll continue that tradition over Zoom or something.
0: Yeah, there you go. Let's do some uh, Zoom. You can going. zoom
2: in from Philadelphia. Yeah. There you go. Let's, let's get us get us some uh
0: going on there. But... <laughs>
1: um
0: anything else though that stood out from you guys, you know, again where two practices in, two press conferences in. But anything else, you know, stand out from, from Mullen's Zoom or, or anything else so far?
1: Go ahead. I
2: would, I would just say the from the brief clips we got to see, the Marcus Bowman looks like or the real deal. He, he seems that. to have a pretty quick burst around the edge there in some of those drills they've been doing. But, again, who knows what that actually means in the end of
1: yeah, it's hard to tell from all of that. And, I mean, Mullen even said he doesn't know what his status is at the moment. We we don't know if he's even going to be eligible. That's
0: clickbait. That's clickbait. We have
1: to assume. He would have to be. That's and clickbait. Brent, I mean, not that not that football and softball are the same here, but we see Skylar Wallace. She isn't cleared yet uh, coming in from Alabama for softball. And, you know, pretty much everyone's getting those waivers. So, what? I don't know what yeah. the – criteria is that
0: we're trying to meet here yeah but DeMarcus has already set out his year so you know in my opinion it's Dan Mullen saying hey we haven't gotten the NCAA paper saying hey he's good to go for 2021 fall there will be a absolute burn down of the NCAA office in Indianapolis if DeMarcus Bowman is not you know cleared, and it and it will be more from Bowman's camp too there's no way he's not eligible I take that as that but I will say this one thing that did stick out to me during the uh, press conference with Dan Mullen was in talking about going two backs. And I said this a little bit in in past podcasts when we were doing it with Seth, and that is you go from your strength of your team being your receiver position, your tight end position, to now the strength of your team really being your running back position. Uh, Obviously you can only hand the ball to one guy. Um, There's only one football, but I, I do think you can get, a little creative with Malik Davis and Demarcus Bowman back there. Uh, you know, maybe Demarcus Bowman can play a little bit of that slot receiver um, that you know Kadarius Tony did, where he comes in motion and gets the ball. Uh, maybe Malik Davis does that. You know, m- maybe you know maybe it is Lorenzo Lingard if the knee's healthy. Uh, but definitely something that I thought would happen, and then to hear Dan Mullen say it was kind of music to my ears. Again, that's the position that is going to be your deepest position with your most playmakers at his running back early on, obviously.
2: Right. Nobody ever doubted Greg Knox, right?
0: Yeah, there you go. I will say this, um, day John Reynolds looked good, uh, in a couple of the clips, uh, good to see him back from his, uh, knee injury. Uh, Ethan, I know you had a good story on him about that. And, um, you know, he's nine months now post-surgery, give or take a, a little bit. Uh, so yeah, I mean good to see him back out there running. I'm gonna be honest, I didn't think you'd see much in the spring.
1: Yeah, I I sorry, I thought you were talking to Ethan there. <laughs> but um yeah, I, I, I wasn't honestly sure what to expect from Reynolds either. Um, but I I did notice those couple of clips. You know, we don't it's like you said, we don't really get to see a whole lot. We don't know what they're doing once they start team stuff. But, you know, just in these drills, sure. he definitely looked like you know, it's not really a factor for him right now. I Which one of y'all's it,
0: got the drone and gonna go spout at
2: practice? That's the question. <laughs> Who's got the drone? I
1: I can I can find one
2: somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Well I, I mean if they hadn't built a indoor facility, we'd be able to stay on top of the garage, but yeah. Unfortunately they had to
0: Well here build that Get thing. you some uh climbing gear and just be on top of the garage, wear you some yeah. uh white to blend in and you know,
2: there you yeah, go. And and they had and,
1: to, uh Florida has has reached out and asked us, you know, like, what can they do better on these? So hopefully they'll take some of our feedback here and, you know, maybe start giving us a little more. I know they're not going to give us too much. They're not going to give us anything that's going to reveal their schemes. But it's just I hope we start getting to see some more newsworthy things from these. We
0: already had a pissing match between Alabama and Georgia fans on Florida fans, yeah, Yeah, there's more of
1: those on there than Florida fans. Yeah,
0: Nick Saban's on there somewhere. You just just didn't catch it. Um, let's move on a little bit. Um, some recruiting news, not too much recruiting news going on, but some virtual visits going on. Um, so that's good. Um, the dead periods pushed back again, May 31st. Bull crap. Um, NCAA is doing an injustice to these kids, there's just no way around it. To ask a kid to make a lifelong decision on a school he's never visited, is atrocious. You're now – kids are now going to go to schools they're not going to know enough about or, B, are going to go to schools that maybe they know more about but isn't the best place for them just simply because they don't know anything. So it's an injustice. So, obviously, the virtual visits are great, but you guys both know. There's nothing like getting on campus at a place. There's nothing like meeting a coach in person. Uh, yeah, so, I, again, it's injustice. NCAA be in the NCAA.
2: Yep yeah. the the transfer portal is going to be booming here in a couple of years probably. I guess that's what they want people making rush decisions. Free agency.
1: Yeah, but I mean I agree with you. I don't think there's any way you can really get to know someone over a video call. I mean everybody's different whenever you meet them in person, and you know that you just don't know how you're going to fit in with all these people, and you don't know how you're going to fit in on the campus. Um, I really don't understand what the difference is we're letting crowds come in at 25% capacity, but we can't let a few players who are going to be on these teams in a few years.
0: That's the thing. Max it out. Say 10 guys per, per, per weekend. That's it. The, the indoor facility holds 125 players plus 30 to 40 staff members every day. Why would you not have, have the ability to allow 10 guys to come in with their families, space them out, don't have them in the same room. And if you do have them in the same room, make sure they're in the team meeting room where there's 125 seats and space it out. It, it's simply retarded. Yes, okay, don't get, on a, don't get on a flight. Don't do whatever it may be. But guess what? Those same parents are flying to, to vacations, doing whatever it may be. They're flying to seven oh seven tournaments. It's BS. It's stupid. It's the NCAA being retarded. And, you know, they continue to push this likeness thing. And that they're here for the players, and then they do this nonsense. It, it's it's retarded.
1: Yeah, I I can agree there, <laughs> but I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak anymore on it. I just yeah, I, I'm I'm not a fan either. Yeah.
0: Um, any final thoughts here? Um, talk baseball here. Baseball's got to get better. Softball's got to learn how to hit. Basketball, they tried mm-hmm. to find a way to lose the Georgia game. Yeah, play well, I mean, they continue to play well, and then it's the second half, and it's like, what's going on? No, a lot, 200 career threes. That's awesome. Um, our our man Eric says right now it looks like they're a nine seed, not what you want to be in the NCAA tournament. A lot of games still to come, but I'll say it again. Mike White's team. It depends on what team wakes up on the side of the bed every day of the week. There is zero consistency with Mike White's basketball team.
1: Yep, I, I nope. agree. You just, you never know what you're going to get. You go into a game thinking Florida is about to destroy someone and they're down 20 points at the start of the second half, you know, and then you go in thinking that Florida has no chance and same thing. They're up 20 points. Like what, they, what's going on here?
2: They're definitely very entertaining. They win just enough games to keep you coming back for more. So there, I mean, certainly, Certainly a very interesting team to watch, even if it isn't very good at times.
0: The West Virginia game, the Tennessee game, you
2: know, just games
0: throughout the year where they've played really well and then they lay an egg against Carolina. They will lay an egg against Arkansas. Um, is Arkansas a good team? Sure, but they're, they're, they're not great by any means. Georgia, you, you should win that game by 25. You're up by 18 for most of the game, 15 for most of the game. You end up winning by, what, six, eight, something like that? Zero reason for it. And, you know, I, I'm not a Mike White hater and fire Mike White and everything else, but there's got to be something that changes with this team consistency-wise. I mean, is it a leadership problem on the team? I don't know, but something has got to change. It, the, the, the lack of second half you know, a, ability to sustain a, a game is is insane. It's just, I mean, the South Carolina game, now the Georgia game, luckily they won the Georgia game. But, you know, as as Eric says, it might as well have been a loss in the books because Florida dropped
2: still. Yeah. And the yeah. most concerning part is that they've turned this roster over several times the last couple of years, and it's still the same problems, the same issues occurring over and over again. And where in the world is this high-tempo offense we were promised before That's the season? Awesome. I mean, I get that they lost Keontae, which, I mean, it's a big loss, not underselling that, but really your whole your whole philosophy of playing is going to change because you lose one player?
0: Well, and, and and it, you know, again, Keontae's a huge one. But when you're, you know, Scotty Lewis, for instance, five-star talent, incredible athlete, but there's no rhyme or reason for getting him the ball. When he does get the ball, it's, you know, whatever. Uh you know, this team attacks the glass for 75% of the game, and then it's like the next 25% of the game they just forget about it. And this is not a, a style of offense that's built to go through your big man and Colin Castleton. This is a style of offense that's meant to, you know, run and shoot. And then it, it turns into the defense side of the ball too. When this team's scoring points, they play good defense. When they're not scoring, it turns into their defense. They allow their offense to go to their defense side of the ball. And Again, big week, got Auburn this week. And then Kentucky Saturday, you got to go 2 0. I mean, that that's my thinking.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we don't know what the the makeup schedule is going to look like. If there's going to be anything, you know, Florida's missed what 10, three. 11 games here. And yeah. there's one date that teams can make up games. So, yeah. three it, SEC games. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. If, well, we'll see how it goes, but there's, there's definitely not a lot of time left, and Florida has to show that they're deserving if they want to get into this tournament and have a decent spot in it.
0: Texas A&M still hasn't played, and they got another game canceled. And I did see Bracketology said that Duke would be out of the NCAA tournament right now. What in the world is going yeah. on?
2: Duke and yeah, Kentucky, Kentucky, I think, Kentucky,
0: probably. Yeah, yeah well, hell's freezing over. And North Carolina is barely in, probably. Getting snow in Texas and Louisiana. Duke and Kentucky aren't in. Hey. We need to get
1: in our bunkers or something. Gators yeah. can't pitch
2: in baseball. I mean, it's Gators just some kind of crazy stuff baseball. going on.
0: Sully's walking, letting guys walk the world out there. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Only thing right in the world is Ronald Acuna has reported to break spring training. Let's go. <laughs> All right, guys. Any final thoughts? If not, we'll get out of here. Um, just quick program note. Looks like we're going to try to do this two times a week. Uh, we'll be back and getting this going. The spring practice, um, you know, basketball, baseball, softball, gymnastics won. Even though uh, they were down a few people, that was good. Um,
1: oh,
0: yeah. yeah, so that was good. Uh, they're the real deal. Uh, they're they're gonna win. Oh,
1: they won a lot. Yeah, they're
0: she all win, yeah.
1: should win I, I love watching them.
0: So even though Trinity Thomas wasn't <laughs> there, uh, some girl and I, uh, I'm drawing a blank now of her name. Got a ten. She was replacing. Um,
1: it was. Uh,
0: Leah Clapper got the 10. That's right. I yeah. was going
2: to say Mia. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Mia names don't go together. So, Leah, right Mia,
2: kind of close.
0: Yeah, there you go. Something like that. So, All right, guys. We appreciate it. As always, check us out on Gator Country on the the website, www.gatorcountry.com. Check us out on Gator Country on Twitter and on Facebook. We'll be posting. Uh, Ethan and Bailey will be posting uh, scores. We'll be posting scores as well. Eric will be handling basketball as always. So we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks.
1: Thanks, guys.